Yo, what's good, everybody? It's uh, another episode of Real Sun Car Hours. Um, today is January 28th slash 29th, 2021, just a little over a week after the inauguration. Oh, yeah. So, um, in, the, in the new uh, Biden administration of national unity and uh, caring and yeah. warm fuzzies. Build back better, broke back mountain. I don't know. Um, <laughs> trying to. <laughs> alliteration with my bees i don't know build back better just what what i that, yeah i don't know how that one left the focus group honestly <laughs> i'm sorry it's much just, less trying to make a man with dementia say a tongue twister <laughs> right um, um anyway yeah follow us at sankara hours on twitter and um for bonus episodes patreon.com slash real sankara hours five dollars a month um gets you bonus episodes oh before i forget let's introduce ourselves i'm adam hudson follow me at adam hudson five on twitter uh this is peter i'm gun follow me at i'm gun peter uh, and, and and before to finish up housekeeping before i forget um on our patreon um it's a new year and uh we've been kind of thinking of you know different stuff so we changed up the tier system so if you go to patreon.com slash real hours, there's two different tiers. So uh, let me let me just kind of explain what they are. So basically, uh, let, me, let me look at like the so there's one tier where it's one dollar to four four dollars, and that's just um, general support. So if so, let's say if you contribute, let's say one dollar a month, two dollars a month. Three dollars a month or four dollars a month. That's in U.S. dollars because I know we have some uh, inter- um, people from overseas who listen to us. That's like in U.S. dollars, so you're gonna have to, uh, to convert that in- into your respective currency. But if you donate anywhere from one dollar to four dollars a month, that does not give you access to the bonus content, but it's just general support to keep the podcast running and it's just to say say that like hey we appreciate your contribution and that you are smarter and better looking than everyone else yes and and also like you know like on a serious note like this this pandemic and this economy has you know really hurt all of us and uh that's something i was thinking of about like you know if people can't contribute five dollars a month that's okay um but any any contribution is val- is valued. Let's just say that. But yeah. but the five dollars a month, um, we're keeping that for patrons. So if you donate five dollars a month, you get access to uh, bonus content and bonus episodes and stuff like that. So I just wanted to make that clear. So five dollars a month, you get access to bonus episodes. But anywhere from one dollar a dollar a month to four dollars a month, that's not bonus level content, but it is general support, and we appreciate uh, your contribution because it do, it does keep it does help uh, keep us running. So, um, and yeah, just any 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 amount of money that you that you provide us is a very much appreciated. So, that's something I want just want to say. Instead of, instead of buying GameStop stock, um, yeah, <laughs> I fuck. I I think I just am now always saying stock instead of stock. <laughs> I can't stop myself. Um, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll yeah, that, get to that later. But, we will but. get to that. Yeah, that's part of the agenda. The the GameStop 
uh, <laughs> Wall Street shit. But um, so we're gonna yeah we're gonna be talking about mostly about the inauguration and the GameStop stuff and uh, other other things. But um, the, yeah, the, let's the new day in America. Yeah, you know? let's let's talk. It's... So wait, Peter, did you watch the inauguration? Ah, uh, no, I didn't see any of it. Neither um, neither did I. I didn't. You know you know what happened on January twentieth. Um, I was asleep. Oh, I and think I was were, at work. Um, I, I I woke up. I think it was because I'm on I'm in California, so Pacific time. So I think it was. I think I woke up at like I don't know, like eleven eleven a.m. or something like that. And it's like, oh, it's the inauguration. I'm like, wait, what? There's an inauguration? And I was like, oh yeah, it's January twentieth. Um. So yeah, I slept during the inauguration. I didn't catch any of it. I I heard. I only you know saw like. The hot takes and the reactions to the inauguration and you know all the memes about bernie and him you know not and the mittens yeah that was i mean i i thought that was i mean bernie sanders just has is just always has viral potential and yeah. i think he probably captured the mood of a lot of people uh right <laughs> with his with his off-kilter face mask though apparently they're like Lib Twitter has gone like sufficiently off the rails because there are people who are like, "Why is he being so scally?" You know, this is misogyny or something. Um, oh, right. Yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. The I people didn't... who are like, "Let me just have this one day." Um, you know, I know that he's. I some people actually think that Biden's good, but I think most people know that he sucks. So, like, let me just have this one day, and it's like, no, I'm sorry, you don't get. To, you no. fucking weirdo. If you're if you're much of a weirdo that like you actually get, you know, a sense of exhilaration from watching the uh, the old Rhodesian get sworn in and Kamala <laughs> didn't even step and <laughs> you know, as they made and they made up, you know, like she's supposed to be an AKA or whatever, she didn't even step at the inauguration ball. It's like what's the point? I'm just saying like no, you don't get that. Like, I've been depressed my whole life. I get, like, 30 minutes of serotonin a day. Like, you don't get to have a whole day of, uh, yeah, of whatever. Like, I'm sorry, but I feel like more people need to be brought down to our level of just ambient misery because that's the only way you're going to actually be able to possibly see your way out of it before. Because you really need to understand how bleak the situation is. So no, sorry, you shouldn't get. You don't ever get one day. Um, be and I think even the worst ones were like, "All right, and now back to work." Like, get to work doing what? What do right. you think the Democrats are gonna do? <sighs> right. Like, what fucking like is politics a job? Like, people people must really think that like politics is like a job. Like, okay, um, we're gonna stop doing politics at uh five p.m. Eastern. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that no. Like Pelosi hits her uh, time clock. She punches in when she hits the hill every day, then punches out. Like, you know, like let's get to work. I mean, that's like pure American ideology. But because it is a job, but the question is, what is their actual job? And right. it's not what these uh, Maddow watchers think it is. And and also, like I, I I'm I'm pretty much of the opinion that like if if you're black in America, uh, politics for the most part is survival. Um, because like you you're constantly if you're in if you're in the United States, like you're you're dealing with a level of systematic racism that is centuries centuries old. So 
to, to be engaged in politics at any level to whatever extent is a matter of survival so like you know we can't just be like all right i'm tired of anti-black racism i'm gonna clock in at 6 p.m eastern because here's the thing police don't like clock in about like all right you know we've already passed uh our curfew uh we should stop killing black people at this specific a lot of time like no the thing keeps, keeps going fucking on so like like we need to get back to work like no it's just get i don't know what the fuck these people are thinking get back yeah to work. i mean i mean have we seen like immediately right they already reneged on the two thousand dollars um which like let's be clear surprise surprise but like, let's be clear. They explicitly promised a check of two thousand dollars. Like, yep. if you voted, you know, contingent on them getting the Senate back. Like, they, they, like Biden's trying to be slick, and I would say, I would suggest, don't fuck with people's money during like the worst economy since the Great Depression, because everyone is just fucking uh, itchy right now. Like, do not fuck with. But they're gonna do it. They are doing it. And he wants to be bipartisan. Like, you can't make this shit up. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, this this has got to be, you know, unity and just blah, 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 blah. Well, it's, I mean, it's, but it's like these people have made, have worked themselves, because this is what the DC game is. And it's like, they don't even know how to not do it. It's like, no, we just, we, it's got to be bipartisan. Why? That's not, that's not how poly- parliamentary politics works. You have a governing coalition, <laughs> right. you fucking govern. But right. no, they want, like, like nobody even cares anymore. Nobody even, none of the libs care about, uh, you know, bipartisan unity. The never Trumpers are all, were always lying. And the Republican base certainly doesn't care about any unity with, you know, the adrenochrome eating set. Uh, so I don't even know who he's playing to at this point. It's all just like a way for everyone to cover their asses. Actually, this actually this is a good dovetail into something I wanted to bring up in in, in context specifically of the inauguration. Um, <clears throat> by the way, folks, I'm on Instagram. Uh, follow me at Adam Hudson Five, and I posted. I've been doing like some kind of short um, Instagram videos, just like kind of short reactions to things, and there's. My most recent Instagram video was about this, and I wanted to share it on the podcast um, for for our listeners. And one of um, one of one of my takeaways from like, because again, I didn't watch the inauguration, but just like kind of like the the sort of aftermath and the public aftermath and people reacting to the the inauguration. Um, before the inauguration, let's be clear: when Joe Biden met with a group of civil rights leaders. By the way, Black Lives Matter was not invited to that meeting. Joe Biden basically said, like, he's not going to do shit for black people. But what he did is say, like, oh, we're going to put um, Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. Which is like, you know, after the, you know, one of the one of the, the, the largest uprisings against systemic racism in recent history since, like, the 60s. That ha- like, the, the uprisings back after the, the George Floyd murder in summer of 2020. Um, the end result is like, okay... Uh, black people vote for Biden, and then we get Harriet Tubman on the twenty dollar bill. And then also, like from what I've seen, um, well, he did sign an executive order ending, um, I think it was ending contracts for private prisons, but of only like less less than ten percent 
of prisons are uh, private, privately run. Like the pri- the prison industrial complex is a lot more yeah. complex. Detention centers, it's a different story. But right. prisons, uh... yeah. So, but but I want to mention like the the Harriet Tubman thing, um, th- and I think this is important. Like, there's been this whole like in the 2010s, now going to the 2020s, there's been all this talk about representation matters, right? Like people have gotten very slick of, of, in terms of like their woke lingo. Um, in terms of like, you know, we need to fight racism and white supremacy. Like, was so bad. Representation matters. Like, you see this a lot in media, in pop culture, um, elsewhere and elsewhere, and also academia, right? Like, representation matters. But the thing is, like, representation matters. That's just another version of tokenism, and tokenism was something that was rejected by a lot of black radicals in the 60s 60s and 70s especially people who were in the like when the when it went from the civil rights movement to the black power movement like basically the late 60s early 70s around there and basically it's like uh, even after the civil war what the united states would do is hold up like a token like black people black tokens who were like maybe you had like a black public official or like a black doctor like they would they would hold up examples tiny examples of like black success within the system to show that hey we're making progress this is a sign of racial progress and it was all it was also couched in this idea of gradualism that gradually racism would end gradually black people would get freedom it's this long march to freedom and um but a lot of black radicals like hey look we're not looking for tokenism because even though like they they saw through it even back then right people saw through it and even like you know because there were uh you know like some some black people who were quote-unquote successful they weren't like they didn't have like the level of power that white people did but there is just some examples like oh like oh there's you know black doctor and black lawyer like this is a sign of racial progress but you still had that and also like just routine systematic terrorism in the form of lynchings in the south um ra- legalized racial segregation so there was still like very clear racial apartheid and in- institutionalized racism that was going on at the same time as uh tokenism so how does this relate to now i think it's very similar because like you still have a-, a police system that routinely kills black people along with gentrification and an economic system that's wipe- wiped out black wealth on and on and on oh and by the way like um when it comes to the covid response with vaccines white white people are more likely to get vaccinated than black and latinos oh yeah because they're more likely to be hedge fund people and work for defense contracting right exactly yes cut the line (laughs) yeah and so there's still ongoing systematic racist oppression but the way the system is reacting is that oh hey look you got harriet tubman on the 20 dollar bill oh look you have kamala harris as vice president oh look you have like you know um more more black uh, uh film and tv shows that like use more woke lingo it's it's this fiction that like slowly but surely we're moving toward racial progress it's this idea that like yeah like there's all this racism but you know what there's racial progress this is why representation matters and i just think like that whole like representation matters it's it's just a it's just a bunch of um bullshit because is this another way to um pacify uh 
black militancy and rage at justified and justified anger at ongoing oppression it's just a way to like keep black people quiet like hey you know i know that like the police are murdering you and like you guys are systematically oppressed but you know what we're gonna give you uh, a slave on a 20 dollar bill when it's like well why was it like who was on the 20 dollar bill before it's like it was uh, like, jackson right and so, and look i'm all for getting jackson off the 20 though i think like towards the end or i don't i just remember seeing the idea that like they were going to share the 20 and that would actually be the most american thing because huh. jackson literally like carried out genocide he made bridles out of indigenous people's skin that is true uh and that like yeah yeah get him off there right i don't even just i don't even care if you put anyone else on it just get him off there but the idea that they would put harriet tubman but also keep jackson on there because they don't want to piss off the right that is that is moi. that's pure american ideology right there yeah uh, and and also it begs the question why was jackson on there in the first place because it's revealing like oh this is actually like the reason why he was there for a long time is because he represents like you know some of quote-unquote american values and that's why like it's the same reason it's, it's the same reason behind like why there's there are so many fucking confederate statues even though the confederacy lost but actually, really what it's, it's to show, like, really why the Confederate statues were put up was during the period of lynching to re- basically remind black people to stay in their place. That's what that's why the Confederate statues were put up. They weren't put up to, like, you know, honor the dead after the Civil War. Like, it was a pure Yeah, they're all cheap crap. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Very, yeah. So, um, and I actually think, like, this period in black politics... I have a feeling I can't. I don't. I mean, this is not like a firm prediction, but I just have a feeling, like a gut feeling, that there's going to be a split within black politics because I'm I'm kind of seeing it. I think they're going to be one segment of like the black body politic that is invested in representation matters and you know with the woke lingo and all that stuff, and then there's going to be one segment of, of the black body politic who are a lot more jaded and i think you see that i think that was you definitely saw that with both ways of black lives matter protests because we already got obama he was like the pinnacle of like the whole the the, the idea of like racial progress through tokenism and then there were still you know police shootings so and also like black people still got screwed under obama especially with the the financial crash and his lackluster response to it so i think there's going to be two segments of the black body body politic like one that's i think kind of sees the system clearly for what it, what it is that like no matter how many like quote unquote representation you get in the system black people are still going to be oppressed because that's the way the system is designed it doesn't matter like how much you diversify the system and the, it, diversify it or even if you have like you know a, a the first black secretary of defense. I mean, p- before people, like people forget, like during the Bush years, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bush, the Bush administration was very intersectional and oh, yeah. practiced a lot of representation. Yep. So I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I do agree that I think most like regular working, uh, black people have seen, see through all this shit and mm-hmm. like, they don't need to convince them, but the TV writers and the political consultants, they right. have to hold on to the fiction exactly. because like that's you know part of where they get their paychecks but the yeah the balance like their ability their hold on the uh imagination of black america is definitely dwindling because like look like like blackish 
is not the Cosby show. Or it's <laughs> not even fucking Martin. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, like people don't, people aren't watching it like that. They're right. not, you know? That's, oh, that's so, so true. So I don't, yeah. It, the problem is that uh, the stranglehold the Democratic Party has on, like, all political activity is the thing that has to get broken down mm-hmm. um, so that there can actually be new horizons opened up uh, until and, that and, happens, you know? Yeah, and before I wrap up this point, I think um, – one thing that came to my mind and especially with people's reactions to the inauguration especially at the you know representation matters i I remember uh, because i want to follow up on this point because i said this like a while back i think probably back in september um because i was pretty cautious about the large numbers of white people at the summer 2020 black lives matter protests because that was something different that didn't didn't that didn't happen back in 2014 2015 not to not to the level it was in 2020 and it's like okay like um i'm not fundamentally opposed to allies but it's like i i do think that if you take black liberation seriously you can't just accept every ally who says they're an ally because like they gotta prove themselves before like they're actually useful to the cause and so um and I think there is there is reporting on this that a, a lot of um, the white people who were at the protests, a lot of them were mad at Trump, and definitely the pandemic played a role. So, I, and I and I really think that because um, I've noticed I've I, this is just maybe just like a casual observation, but I've noticed that a lot of these like white and non-black allies who were there at the protest during summer twenty twenty, um. I think really they pinned America's race problem on Trump. And now with Trump gone, it's like, oh, whew, I can go back to brunch now. Like, thank God that Cheeto is out. Because I, re- I, really I really think there's a huge check segment of the United States, particularly in white America and people outside of the, of the black community in the United States, who see America's race problem bundled up in Donald Trump rather than something that's deeply embedded into the system yeah. and fabric of america yeah 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 like the proud boys or whatever um though honestly i feel like he, he has just kind of disappeared and it, people have just <laughs> kind of forgotten about him and i think eventually people eventually america's gonna have to have a reckoning of like what did we actually do the past four years but right now everyone is just like happy that it's back in 2010 again and one of the ways we know it's in 2010 again is that Reddit is making mm-hmm. the news doing dumb shit. Great so, transition. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Uh, though it's not, I don't know, it's dumb, but it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, so <laughs> very, very funny. <laughs> it's very, it's very funny. It's, you know, we're in the era of meme stocks, meme stonks. It's, there's, it's just going to be stonks from here on out. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, oh, and just, just to be clear, like, the, okay, so what happened is that, um, this, just to get into some, like, weird little wonky shit. So, uh, hedge funds. Yeah, do you, you want to explain what short selling is? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, okay. I, I can kind of break it down simply. Um, I'll, I'll try my best, but, so, uh, like, there. All our days watching Inside Job and, <laughs> and the Big Short trying to figure <laughs> out what happened in 2008 are paying off. Oh yes, mm-hmm. yeah, and I can also thank some some of the econ classes I took at Stanford, part as part of my IR program. Um, oh, oh, sorry. Since you brought that up, I just want to say yes. Um, I took two econ classes 
in school. One of them was taught literally uh, Econ 1B, which is macroeconomics, was taught by H.W. Bush's economic advisor. And he skipped (laughs) the week when it was time to talk about Keynesian. He let his (laughs) TA do it. I oh, that was that's, very funny. Oh, oh, that's mm, yeah. Sounds like Stanford. That that sounds like the Stanford <laughs> Econ Department. That's like I'm pretty sure he was. I'm pretty sure he was at Hoover, wasn't he? At the Hoover Institution. Wouldn't be surprised. Kind of. Hoover is like not actually part of the university. It's weird. But <laughs> I know. anyway, yeah. Not getting but, into that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, like, so there were some head funds. I think it was what was it Melvin something? I yeah, Melvin name. Capital. Melvin Capital. Yeah. So they were basically they were looking at companies like GameStop and also AMC and they were basically betting that the companies would um, fail. So they were all like basically short selling their stocks and, and banking on that the company that the companies would fail. But what happened is that there are some people on Reddit who got wind of it that these companies were short selling not their, their precious game stuff right yeah because ba- basically like short selling is like you're you're kind of like hanging on to a stock and hoping that um uh it, it'll fall like basically yeah, yeah like you're investing in a way that like the investor yeah. will profit if the yeah asset so falls. so basically instead of buying a stock that you because you think it's going to go up you buy the stock and then sell it to someone else mm-hmm. uh for like you know 14 days or whatever and ho- assuming that it's going to go down uh, right. and then you buy it back and you make them and that's how you make money. Right. But what happened was our uh, slash Wall Street bets. Basically, they they got they the people behind it. And I'm not sure who it is, but they got wind of that. And I fair enough. I don't think GameStop is really like on the verge of collapsing. So the problem with the hyper financialization of american capitalism is basically like once the market once you once those signals get sent then like everyone believes that that's true and so then like people Mm -hmm. can crash something like gamestop they've done it with some other companies um so you know uh redditors love their love their video games and they love uh gamestop and also just like one of the things that i don't think people have acknowledged is that like one of the reasons this went so crazy is just everyone is one broke, two still insane from the pandemic, and like this is the kind of thing that is just it, shit. Like this is going to happen, you know. These kind of unpredictable events are just going to happen because we're just in that stage of history. So yeah, a bunch of people just started buying up shares of GameStop, and they spiked the price. From like it was like at five dollars. Yeah, it was so like, like four or five dollars. Now I think like now it's I, at like three fifty. Yeah, it and, spiked like it was huge. Like it went from like basically single digit price to three digit price yeah. within like twenty four so, hours. Right. So so then what happened is that Melvin Capital, who had you know sold off, sold the stock to to the other person, that like when it came time to buy it back, like they had to buy it all back at three fifty. And then, like, yeah, we're basically lost all their money, right? But they lost, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's well, because it's the free market. Um, they just cried to the Fed, and they got a bailout, so they're fine. Yeah, um, that's and, the, that, and, and that's they the, cried to the media too. Like that yeah. was another thing is that like, um, 
like it, sh- it shows like how well connected the system is like the way this played out because like you know because technically yeah i'm sure like, bloomberg news is fucking hilarious because te- technically days. what the redditors did they were playing by the games that the rules yeah yeah they Wall didn't Street do anything illegal no they didn't they just played the game and like they played Wall Street's rules against them and made those hedge funds lose money. And so instead of you know if it was actually a free market, they would just be like, oh okay, like you know you beat us fair and square. It's like nope. It's like we're gonna cry to the media and be like, this is, this is such an well, embarrassment. Well, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah. Hedge funds. I I can't buy my extra yacht and then they go to the Fed. If it's like, oh my god, I'm I'm so sorry. Here's some more money. Well, well yeah. they're they're so pissed because like these people see themselves as masters of the universe, right? And in some ways, they are, uh, and so this is their system. They control what happens to it. There is absolutely no democracy at all. Uh, no. What they, you know, what the highest levels of finance capital want, they get. So the idea that like a bunch of fucking redditor nerds incels basically yeah, basically yeah, incel yeah, dorks that, on yeah Reddit. like a few <laughs> clips i saw of like cnbc and all this and or fox business are just like you're mean to tell me that they can do this but <laughs> this is kind of the bed that they created with all the these like retail robin hood type trading apps with all the uh just insane liquidity that they put into the market uh with high frequency trading and derivatives and all this stuff that makes the system so incredibly unstable they think it's fine because they're so fucking smart that they can ride the tiger but as everyone gets a little more desperate uh you know things may not turn out their way now that said a lot of people are going on like oh this is the revolution uh or something like you know we're actually saying like no you're not uh you know eventually the market the you know the market forces will write themselves and they'll this will be literally the only thing the sec regulate has regulated in 10 years but right. they'll figure out a way to stop it um i think they basically like shut down robin hood and a bunch of other stuff it mm-hmm. just they were yeah. just like no you can't buy any more game stop stock game yeah. stock stop god yeah. damn it uh, uh so, so there's some of the comments like here's the thing is like this is definitely not the revolution but it's a temporary mo- temporary moment of schadenfreude that like i just i just enjoy reveling in because it's just nice to just see you know well it is both. i mean it is an interesting like form of behavior in the sense that like these are people who are doing mass participation in the stock market on some level to make money but more importantly to make other people suffer <laughs> And, you know, once now that this has kind of been unleashed in the consciousness, I don't know. I don't know. I like they are going to have to, like, put their big boy, uh, you know, regulator authoritarian pants on to stop this because, like, you know, people really enjoy doing that. And they're going to try and figure out a way to do it again. And I want to read like a friend of mine shared uh, some of the the one some of the threads from and this is a really good one so it's like okay there's tiberius jackson and space suit kid too so it's like you know it's, so they all have like names like donkey tits 49 yeah. and yeah, like, it's like, it's like that's, that's, who, that's who like totally fucked up my trip to the hamptons <laughs> you're right it's, so it's Ty- Tom guzzler 97 right and so tiberius jackson is like 
I'm just going to keep some shares forever as an artifact of the real Occupy Wall Street. Show my grandkids okay. that shit. Spacesuit Kid 2. Grandpa, how did you make your Rockefeller fortune? Tiberius Jackson. Why the old-fashioned way? Turning the invisible hand into the invisible fist and driving it far up Melva's ass. Now shut up, you little bastard, and get Grandpa his drinking liquor. Edit. Thanks for the gold, brother. First one ever. Spacesuit Kid 2. Thanks, Grandpa Jackson. And it's just like, this, I just, it's just, it's just so fucking funny. That's, it's, that's great. It's no, it's just like, yeah, I mean, like, the, these guys, like, you know, you're, you're right. Like, these are, these, these people on Wall Street, like, they really think that they are masters of the, of the universe because. They have like MBAs from Harvard and Stanford and Yale and all that shit, and they work at these hedge funds and these consulting firms, and like basically the they're all manuals, right? Yeah, and and the, and the entire like the entire web of global finance flows through their hands, right? Like they have like a lot of power. Like I mean, I hate to use the word. Um, more power than god but like they have i mean just in terms oh, of the god power, well god god's dead so yeah god is dead yeah um but it's like they they have like so much power in terms of um uh the levers of global uh finance and how it flows like internationally right and so all these guys like who you know they they, they go to all these ivy league institutions and take all the the most advanced calculus classes and econ classes and shit and then like to bit to get played by you know some some somebody in their fucking pajamas like smelling like hot cheetos and their name is like um you know uh donkey tits 49 or like come guzzler 87 or like you know um tiggo bitty 69 like and yeah yeah, like, they're, yeah they're, i'm just gonna they, fucking game here yeah, <laughs> like, in their, in their rick, and, rick and morty shirt oh. right they're all like they they game a lot and is is a very like they got they got outplayed by a bunch of neats and hikikomoris and incels on Reddit who figure out like hey wait a minute they're short selling and it particularly GameStop and AMC which is like oh yeah like that makes a lot of well, sense yeah it, well like, yeah because these are companies that like these people have like fond memories of they love yeah, GameStop right GameStop they they don't want it to go away uh you know and so they basically like rally to save their own corporation that's what I think is funny. Is right. that like if some because it's also possible that like if they if you know the if the hive mind proves adaptable and you know generally the history of the internet shows that it doesn't but if say that it does then they may find a way to adapt this into the existing system but I do like the idea of basically just like um, you know the internet hive mind decides like oh we're gonna take this mega corporation. And we're going to inflate its stock. And then, you, because then basically that company is almost held hostage. Like, right. this is almost basically shareholder activism. Right. Uh, that it's, it's, Saul Linsky was talking about, like, back in the 60s. So, you know, because you were mentioning, like, back to 2010, 2011, it reminds me of, like, some of the hacktivism of Anonymous. Like, yeah. that that kind of, like, very kind of, um, it's like Adbusters slash Anonymous 2.0. This is like the 2021 version of that. So in a like in a way, you're right. Like because um, Trump is out, and like yeah, Trump has pretty much disappeared. Like I don't know, he's he, he's fucking just. I think I mean I do think removing the Twitter account definitely helped. Right, but I think like because the thing is like this is it. Well, okay, it was 
like the it was coordinated. That's that's one thing I, yeah. I find oh, interesting. For sure. It was very coordinated the way because if it's like one or two people trying to do this, it wouldn't work. But it was well coordinated enough on the internet that they were able to yeah massively inflate the stock prices of GameStop and also uh, AMC. So it, it does remind me of like yeah like some of that early Occupy Wall Street era anonymous style um, activism. That like, because now, like, honestly, looking back, because that was like shit 10 years, like 10 years ago, um, if it almost feels like a a quaint time, because I do remember, like, there was some hope that like, oh, fuck, we could use the internet to like, you know, uh, coordinate political activism, like in social media to shed light on injustice, like the way social media is now in our conversation around it, I think is very different from like. 2009 yeah but before we realized it was all a psyop right exactly from the very beginning right when we were still being psyops right but there were it it, uh, um because i think like the a lesson that could be drawn from this is like if people can pull this off and like imagine what a general strike could pull off like a good old-fashioned general strike imagine what that could pull off yeah that's that that's a lot less like people people might you know yeah they use their like stimulus check to buy some game stonk and then you know they're because you know shit why not you know what else that that should be the title of the episode by the way game stonk that's the title yeah probably yeah uh but yeah shareholder activism is like a real thing and Mm. if you know these reddit reddit hordes like actually kind of uh read up on it they might realize that actually what they're doing is not particularly new. It just has not been, it just hasn't like been instituted in the high frequency trading era and in the era of like everyone trading stocks on their phone. So there's, there's possibility, but you know, I look guys, Reddit is not political force. Like, no, so it's not, but but it is, it's, I just enjoy like (laughs) seeing wall street, temporarily yeah yeah shit. they yeah you know when they when yes if i if i could have been there for the reaction when those fucking hedge fund dipshits are like wait what <laughs> no all our money is what do you mean some reddit people some people on reddit uh decided that because it is a it's a very chaotic move you know i think it is like hey like the you know the tumblr crowd has like ruined the word chaotic or whatever but it is a very chaotic move, and there's a lot of chaotic energy floating around. And one thing I've realized uh, is that, you know, growing up, basically since the 60s, right, it was always that the uh, the Republicans were the order party, the Democrats were the chaos party, and that's how they got portrayed. Like, Republicans stood for law and order, uh, Democrats, you know, were like, all ex hippies and you know, pot weed smoke pot smokers. That's what they used to call it, um, and uh, you know, just undisciplined or whatever. And I think we're actually starting to shift where, like, you know, and I think this will get consolidated under Biden, um, where the Democrats are becoming the order party, uh, and the Republicans. You know, I think Trump really kind of took it this direction and i think it um you know it set things in motion that can't just be 
undone so easily. I think the Republicans are going to become more of the chaos party. Um, Mm -hmm. And perhaps, you know, maybe this is a transition because you wanted to talk about a certain interview by a certain... uh, yeah yeah polarizing uh youtube yeah uh, and and before i get into that um there was uh uh hamza shaban um a business reporter for washington post it tweeted this like um uh he screenshotted a market watch article and it showed this is another redditor username thick dad's club and it was quoted it was like yeah these are the people who were able to temporarily embarrass Wall Street with people from like Tiberius Jackson and Thick Dad's clubs, but um, don't fuck, don't fuck with people. Don't don't fuck with our money, Biden. Yeah, right. It's time to tell you, or more of this shit's gonna happen. Stop <laughs> fucking with our money. Give us our fucking money. And speak, yeah. So getting to um, a certain YouTube. Okay, so we here at Real Sun Car Hours, we previously. Um, supported the force to vote thing i don't want to relitigate that because i mean the 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 i think the the way it, it just um it didn't really go anywhere um and so like i don't want to like relitigate that but there is something that i think is just worth responding i i don't i, I, I uh, adam's doing a self-criticism true i know that he is exactly yeah i usually don't like to do some of these like intra-left media things but this was like something i felt just as a um black radical podcast like we are i felt like this was actually something important to respond to so uh jimmy door of the jimmy door show he um he had on a member of the boogaloo boys i forgot his name but there is a okay there's a member of the boogaloo boys and there is um a video of him that uh jimmy door had uh clipped and played and basically, um, th- that Boogaloo boy was saying um, that Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and the Boogaloo boys are not the virus. They're the antibodies to, like, the, you know, how fucked up the establishment is, yada, yada, yada. And Jimmy Dore was like, oh, shit, like, wait, this guy... Because Jimmy Dore even admitted he didn't know anything about the Boogaloo boys. But he was like, wait, this guy is supposed to be, like, a far-right militia, and he supports Black Lives And so he had this guy on. And it was like a forty-minute interview, and he's and he's a member of the Boogaloo Boys, and he was saying like a lot of stuff that seemed like that there would be common commonality with the left in, in terms of supporting Black Lives Matter and um, stuff like that, being against police police violence, um, and also like having a he had like a rainbow flag to show that he supports. Uh, uh, lgbt and, and, and queer queer people so um base what what jimmy door i think he wanted to interview him which was fine but i think what what jimmy door trying to get at and even the title of the video implied this that there could be some sort of coalition between the populist right and the populist left and this is not just a jimmy door talking point i've seen the i think the hills the rising definitely yeah yeah they're like the except Sagar's not a populist it's fucking republican hack right and crystal ball is not really popular she's a democrat hack right so i don't but that is how they position themselves right so. yeah and so like jimmy Dore, i think like interviewed him but it was kind of like to prove like that point that there could possibly be like some sort of united populist right and populist left coalition against 
the establishment. Now, what defines the establishment? Uh, the people who usually say this stuff don't really define what they mean by the establishment. But here's the thing, like the Boogaloo Boys, um, like the Boogaloo Boys, they're not quite like the three percenters and the Proud Boys because the, the Boogaloo Boys, I think, for the they're most not, part... They're not Nazis. Well, I'll give them that. They're not Nazis, generally. but they're also not left-wing. Like, the, when no. I listened to that interview... He sounded like um, just a typical far right libertarian. Because I've I've seen here's the thing, like when um when I when I was doing a lot of anti war organizing um, back in the early 2010s, um, I cro- I, oft- I often cross paths with many of these people because like yeah 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 that was the libertarian heyday right right it was yeah so like there were you know radical leftists and libertarians who were opposed to the war on terror and those things. So on that specific issue, like, okay, yeah, like there was like a common cause, but the, the more I got to know a lot of those people, like a lot of those libertarians, um, a lot of them are pretty fucking racist. Like they, they like yeah. not like openly Nazi racist, but like, there's a lot of, um, things that they believe about America. Yeah, Well, they're that... too nerdy to be like pure racist, but they, yeah. Like the libertarians always have this thing where like, yeah, the, the Civil Rights Act was bad because right. mm-hmm. uh, it interfered with private commerce. Exactly. And, and exactly. that's why it was bad. It has nothing to do with race. And it's like, okay, okay I don't, why are you even trying to make this argument? Right. Right. Yeah, no, no, there's, there's definitely a lot of those types. Yeah. And so, um, and even like, okay, I remember one time um, I was, uh, I was at this open mic and there was this white dude in dreads who smelled really bad he also played djembe and like we were jamming like some like jam. a white dude in dreads who smells bad that's very <laughs> out of character i know right um and like he also had a djembe we were jamming it was like this open mic and so he was i was i played djembe he played it. we were jamming with like some other people so it was fun but then like okay after it was over like we were talking outside and i think like occupy wall street came up and he was like, you know what? The Tea Party and Occupy Wall Street, they should have joined together, man. And I'm like, uh, what? And then we were talking about Andrew Breitbart, and he said Andrew Breitbart wasn't a racist. And I was like, wait, hold on. No, no, no. And I, I got, kind of got in a little... Uh, back when he was still alive. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of got into, you know, a bit of an argument. Yeah. And then I was saying, like, look, like, neither party, you know, works. <laughs> Both parties are fucked up. But I was, I was just like... God, this dude has dreadlocks, and he thinks Andrew Breitbart's not a racist, and he's playing jam bass. Like, this is layers of just cultural appropriation, like all wrapped into one character. But my the reason why I bring bring him that person up is because he, he he's very that type of person is very very similar to like the guy in that interview. It's like these types of people, like they're not openly like they're not like the Proud Boys. No, they're though, not though openly. though they're. Uh... Some of their Discord chats got leaked, and they're not that far off. Right, yeah. And so <laughs> Matt Bender um, of Majority Report, he actually did a pretty good investigation. He's, he's pretty good with, like, look like investigating, investigating, analyzing these guys. And he actually brought up uh, some receipts and posts that this guy that Jimmy Dore had on his show. And there's a lot of stuff he said about Antifa and Black Lives Matter that were not very friendly. I'll, I'll post a link in the show notes. But um, the yeah, thing is, and like, these guys like were at uh, BLM protests, uh, like you know, 
They want to say they were they were monitoring and they had guns, right? They're, they wouldn't and, say they wouldn't say they were like counter protesting. They were just you know yeah, keeping pr- the peace, right? They were there to like provide su- protecting peaceful protesters. So the thing is, like the Boogaloo Boys, like they're trying to rebrand themselves from being openly racist, but that doesn't mean like they're left wing or totally anti racist. Like the thing is, if you look at the Boogaloo Boys and their overall ideology. Pretty much like what unites them is, I would say, they're mostly libertarian, and they want, like, civil war and a violent revolution. And also, some of those some of those guys have been at Black Lives Matter protests and shot, po- shot and killed police officers and pinned the blame on Black Lives Matter. That actually happened in Oakland a couple of months ago, by the way. There were some uh, security guards who were killed in Oakland. Um, during a Black Lives Matter protest, but turns out the killer was a Boogaloo boy. But initially, the 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 blame was pinned on Black Lives Matter. So when you have like these guys with guns, like you don't really know like what their motive is. If they're there to actually support the cause, or if they're there to like instigate more violence, because that's that's really again that's that's like one of their main. M- they're like I would say their overarching mo is um, stoking uh, civil war and there was also another interview i watched with another another boogaloo boy on alex jones and there is a debate because the boogaloo boy was saying that like hey alex jones like we've been listening to you but like you know you're not extreme enough like you don't do anything alex, Al- alex jones is a puppet of the deep state let's be real right but the thing is like that but the reason i brought them up brought that up is like this is like the ideological through line that they're coming through is like libertarianism alex jones and like uh you know the world's run by like lizard people and like they still believe in america and capitalism but like their enemy is like is not the same enemy that people on the left are yeah. fighting and so th- the reason why i bring it up is because one jimmy Dore didn't do any research but where he really fucked up and why i'm responding to it is because he used fred hampton to say uh he was basically saying, justifying his interview and saying that like he was trying to live up to the tradition of Fred Hampton. And he was using the Black Panthers working with the Young Patriots. Now, here's the thing. Uh, th- these are apples and oranges. The Young Patriots are not like the Boogaloo Boys. If anything, the Young Patriots are more like, I would say, Redneck Revolt or the Solstice yeah. Rifle Association. So the, 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 the Young Patriots were primarily... Their main thing was to organize the white working class in, in Appalachia yeah, against yeah. poverty. Well, they, they were Apple. They were basically Appalachians who had moved to Chicago to like work in factories, and mm-hmm. so they were organizing along those lines because you know they had a shared uh, cultural identity, which is part of organizing the working class. But then you then come together. But yeah, they are not. It's. Like, yeah, it is just disgraceful and profoundly ignorant to bring up Fred Hampton in this instance. And it just shows that, like, people, I don't need, I don't know why we're, you know, it's, we're turning Fred Hampton into the new MLK because MLK got played out. And it's just, like, disgusting, honestly. It is. It really, yeah, it really is. It's like, I mean, there are non-black people on the left who cherry pick quotes from people like Fred Hampton, in the same way that like liberals and even conservative cherry pick quotes selectively from MLK, but like don't contextualize where those quotes came from and what they actually meant and what they were actually fighting for. So in the case of the Young Patriots, now the Young Patriots because they came from Appalachia, they would often fly Confederate flags. But the thing is, when they started working with the Black Panthers and the Young Lords, 
Um, they were actually committed to fighting racism because they correctly saw racism as getting in the way of having a real working class coalition that, you know, brings different races of people in the working class together. And so uh, over time, like the Young Patriots uh, dissed the Confederate flags because they were committed to fighting racism. Now, I, I don't see like even in that interview with that guy. I don't see like the same level of uh, commitment in terms of seeing racism and white supremacy as an enemy that has to be fought. Like I didn't see that in the Jimmy Dore interview or even even the debate between Alex Jones and um, the Boogaloo Boy. And also from neither of them, none of them indicted capitalism as an as an enemy. Whereas the Young Patriots. Again, like they were fighting as poverty, and they had a they had a cl- basically they had a class consciousness. The Boogaloo Boys don't. There's really the Boogaloo Boys come from like far right, right wing memes, and they just want like they're mad at shit, and they want civil war. Yeah, and well, yeah. The- the, I mean, the thing about these guys is that they always like their first instinct is to pick up the gun. They don't really understand what political organizing is or how to do it. And they don't understand that uh, you need an actual program that, like, masses of people can buy into if you want to take power, like, like from the outside. And so to the degree to which any of them imagine that they're, uh, that, like, that's what they want. Because, look, I, under, like, I, I can understand the assessment that, like, this empire is going to fall and it's going to be pretty bloody when it does. And, yeah, you want to be prepared or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, the, yeah, the idea, like, there's two major problems with the idea of the left, whatever that means, <laughs> uh, as though there is even a left to unify with these, with these, you know, fucking LARPers. Um, with, I mean, the main problem is that, like, yeah, left-right coalitions don't make any sense. That's the whole point. They're right. on different sides of the spectrum. Now, the, a lot of people you know, don't like the idea that there is a political spectrum that like, you, you know, but that's the point. It's an anti-political sentiment that, oh, well, we just need to unify. That's not what politics is. That's not what it's about. It's not about unity. Like sometimes there's unity in, in like the face of a larger, more powerful enemy. But there is it. We haven't defined the enemy, as you pointed out, like the, the, we're not fighting the same enemies. So how is there unity? Like, right yeah you unifying based on what like what are we unifying for that's the thing with the young patriots and the black panthers that coalition made sense because they both had a similar level of class consciousness and saw the economic system and poverty and capitalism as an enemy so on that level it made sense to work together and also um the young patriots were committed to tackling racism and fascism um with the Boogaloo boys, like the the sort of commitment to fighting racism seems like very lip servicey. Yeah. Because even if you go on those forums, like Matt Bender did, like they still have a lot of like you know racist and bigoted comments, and like yeah, you know, because those it, are the types of people that believe that like want a civil war to happen. Right, right. Most, That's most sane people don't want that. Even right. even if you're a revolutionary, you don't want this to have that ha- happen because you don't want that many people to die right exactly and that's what the boogaloo boys want so again like like jimmy Dore didn't do like any fucking research on the boogaloo boys and also like he doesn't really know 
shit about like black radical history and black yeah. radical figures. And the reason why I want I I, I brought him up is because um like his his kind of talking points like went out into the narrative and there are literally people thinking that like oh yeah fred hampton would have supported working with white supremacists and like getting them to overcome their racism it's like no that's not what that's that's not the exact opposite that's the exact opposite of what the black panthers were fighting for but what they did what people were doing was selectively cherry picking bits of history to fit their own narrative rather than looking at at actual history for what the hell it was because again the young patriots yeah, like they they were from the south, and so like they were flying Confederate flags, but they later ditched them. But the thing is, their focus was organizing the white working class against poverty, and that was their mission. And the Black Panthers had a similar analysis and critique of capitalism. So on that level, that coalition made sense. Now, there's no level of like similarity between um, the the United the 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 United States left and Black Lives Matter and the Boogaloo Boys, aside from like some some vague anger at the establishment, yeah. like that that point of that point of unity hasn't really been established. Yeah, ev- just, everyone hates the government. It's America. Right. The only ones that don't are the fucking nerd libs. Right. It's not. It's not. Yeah. But because yeah, because the other thing I want to say is like mm-hmm. these people, like I said, they don't understand politics. So what? But also, like, on the left, a lot of people still don't understand politics. Like, what, how does unifying with, you know, a small, highly mobilized, but fringe right-wing group make you make the left any more powerful? That's the point of, right. like, co- doing coalition work or unifying with someone is so that you can grow your power. That is the only point of political organizing. These people... Like the the degree to because they don't understand that politics is about mass engagement, they think they can like have they think that war exists without politics, and the it's hilarious that they want to like, uh, you know, do like the like the name comes from Civil War Two Electric Boogaloo. That's how fucking stupid these people are and right. uncreative, and clearly they don't understand anything about the actual Civil War because like, it, but because anyone on the far right who has actual political skills is just going to join the Republican party. Right. Like, right. Like you, like these people are, that's why like the civil war stuff is just always a distraction. These people are incapable of like forming a mass organization enough, like outside of the Republican apparatus that could ever actually compete for sovereignty, which is what a civil war is. It's two different organized, militarized groups competing for sovereignty of a country or you know if it's lebanon it's like four or five right right uh, (laughs) yeah these people are never going to do that because anyone who has any competency is just going to join the government or the republican party yeah and one one thing i would like to know like okay if jimmy because because here's the thing like some people who are like kind of arguing i would say in bad faith to defend jimmy Dore because they're like oh my god all these like establishment liberals and identitarians like hate him like look he can interview whoever the fuck he wants i don't care i i don't run his show he does he can interview he can interview whoever the fuck we he wants in the same way that we can interview whoever the fuck we want and say whatever the fuck we want to say he can say what the fuck he wants to say we can say what the fuck we want to say the thing is if you're going to bring someone like the boogaloos 
do at least do some basic fucking research. And also, if you're going to mention Fred Hampton, do more fucking research. Because really what he did and other people like him were just cherry picking quotes from segments of black radical history to fit their own fucking narrative. That's what I that's 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 what pissed me off, because it's like, look, here's the thing. People talk about black radical history and black radical tradition. That tradition comes from black people. Okay, it comes from our struggle first and foremost before anybody else wants to learn and read about it. Now, uh, should other should other people learn from? I'm I'm totally fine with other people like learning from it. Hey, this is part of the reason why we have a fucking podcast in the first place, so that people do learn, do learn the right lessons. But the thing is, like, people should learn the right lessons, which means doing research. You know, <laughs> like doing a level of reading and analysis that like. Um, American culture doesn't doesn't encourage, especially when it comes to the struggle and history of black people in the United States. So I think of people, especially people who are not black, whether you're white or Asian or Latino, like if you're going to be using elements of black radical history, yeah, you should do some fucking research like you would for anything else. It's the same like, look, if you're going to do it, like, let's say if you're trying to do like solidarity with palestinians you better learn your fucking history about the palestinians before you start organizing with them because if you don't do your research and you say some dumb shit you're gonna piss off the very people you're trying to organize and be in solidarity with so how the fuck does that work like what fucking solidarity is that and so like here here's my new term because this was such bullshit that like i think that there has to be a term to describe this nonsense i i have a term like that i said on champagne sharks called the colonial left Basically, like people who are on the left but who don't take white supremacy and imperialism seriously. Um, I have a new term for this kind of bullshit that describes like this idea that there can be some sort of united populist right and populist left coalition. I call it Cracker Barrel politics. That's my name for it. It's fucking Cracker Barrel politics. It's stupid. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's this like this fantasy that it really is not based on analysis it's based on like huffing paint fumes and calling it an, an analysis that's oh, what adam what the hell... you're forgetting one important thing which is that telling people to read and do their research is classes oh. it doesn't matter whether or not the blue boys all own boats or whatever it's still because i don't know they're working class for some reason but i i would i would tell those same people to listen to an amos wilson lecture and look at the demographics of his audience i'm an i'm an i'm an and i'm and here's a helpful hint a lot of his people in his audience were not like a bunch of you know uh harvard mba graduates so like there is like dissident intellectual tradition among oppressed groups including the black working class okay that's part of where the black radicalism comes from. It comes from the masses of black people to understand our own plight and fight for our own liberation in the same way that there are rich intellectual traditions among the working class and among oppressed peoples in other in other parts of the world. So, yeah, if you're going to dip your toes in the intellectual traditions of other people, like, yeah, maybe you should do some basic level of research and not use like some half-baked reason to justify your shitty like you're i wouldn't even say shitty analysis it was just plain wrong like yeah, what jimmy, jimmy door doesn't really do any analyzing like there's it yeah it's not even analysis it's just like he's got got things just wrong like comparing the boogaloo boys and the young patriots those two are not equivalent so so on the point of like okay like coalitioning between like black radicals and a white working class yeah, I think that's possible because it it's been done. So it's not like a crazy idea. That's there's nothing wrong with that. But like some sort of like unified coalition between Black Lives Matter, Antifa, the left, and the Boogaloo Boys, 
Um, I don't, I don't see that happening, and I don't. I'm not persuaded. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that, what do we need these guys for? And, like, right, we don't need like we don't need the Boogaloo Boys. Like, really, we we could be doing we'll a lot. Out, we'll more. figure out how to shoot. You know, I mean, there's groups like you know, um, again, like groups like Redneck Revolt. And other, there are other groups on the left that like could use more support. I I would just suggest that. Like, look, there are left wing groups who are focused on like you know, like let's say. Um, armed self-defense and mobilizing the white working class and and and, and uh, trying to challenge racism within the white working class i'm i'm all i'm i have no problem with that 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 is totally fine and i think the people who are doing that work i think that's important work and they could use support that that has way more attraction than trying to like work with the fucking boogaloo boys and trying to like flip them to our side but it doesn't make any sense and also like yeah what will be the reasoning to us join with them and also, like, why do we need them when, like, there are other people we can be working with who we should be working with before we even think about working with the Boogaloo Boys? So that also should be kept in mind. There are people who, who we should be organizing with and working with, especially um, the masses of working class and poor black folks who, at this point, like, are not as um, – could use more organizational capacity and support. Like, that makes more sense to support than, like – you know, trying to have, yeah. like, some sort of Cracker Barrel politics, like, uh, populist uh, right, Also, populist the last thing coalition. you need these shit libs to give these shit libs is any, like, fuel for the Red-Brown Alliance crap. Like, right. that's the shit that... Because that because the Red-Brown Alliance is the thing that, like, liberals who, you know, will... Some of them, at some point, are gonna see... Can't ignore the Democratic Party for what it is and will become radicalized with the way you keep them back watching msnbc is they just run segments about the red brown alliance and uh mm-hmm. fucking horseshoe theory and it's like stop don't give them any ammo you fucking idiots <laughs> right um yeah uh yeah let's wrap this up we got, uh, yeah yeah five, 105 that's that's chill yeah i i do want to mention before i forget because i think this this is important um uh this article is from the middle east i was published like two weeks ago um uh, the French military apparently might have bombed a wedding party in Mali. Um, the French say they killed oh, armed. Yeah, the French said they killed armed militants, but um, uh, oh, if, they, if they define them the way the U.S. defines them, right? Yeah. Uh, but like there are witnesses and other accounts that show that like the bomb struck a wedding party in um in Bunti, uh, village of Bunti in central Mali. And I wanted to mention this because um, even though this was this attack was by the French, um, a lot of the current instability in Mali, in the country of Mali, is um, fallout from Obama's 2011 NATO intervention in Libya, in the destabilization. So Libya right now is pretty much a failed state. And that has had a spillover in the rest of um the rest of like uh the Sahel region of, of, of Africa and Mali is one of them because uh there are some uh well th- the Western name is Tuareg, but I know like the people call themselves uh Tamashek. Um so they're they're an ethnic group of uh nomads throughout like the Sahel region of, of Africa. It's like southern they're Mali. amazing at guitar. Yeah, so uh Tomashek like um are known for their style of blues music which is 
very similar to african-american blues music so if you're trying to look for like a link between african-american blues music and west african music like you can listen to tomashek music and like yeah there's a lot of similarities but great yeah their music very sick guitar blues music um and molly is also known for its rich uh culture but so that's why it's so sad to see the instability but um yeah like there's been some um Tomashek, they've been fighting like their own um uh kind of liberation separatist struggle for a long time because they're nomads and they're kind of like oppressed wherever they go but um the got, United got States, the shitty end of the fucking Berlin conference borders. Right. Yeah. And and so what happened is that their fight has been conflated with the war on terror because there are some like, like Al Qaeda and the Islamic Maghreb have like kind of seeped into their fight uh... and used it to their. And so through the prism of like the West, particularly the United States and France, um, they're looking at this part of Africa as like, oh, okay, this is like another front in the war on terror. And so that's why the French have been, yeah, like bombing Mali. And, and it's also like why the United States has been um, still launching drone strikes in um, Somalia. Uh, by the way, like there, there was um, a recent election in Uganda. Um, Robert Museveni won, but the election was uh, very, very, very shady. Um, his uh, one of his main opponents, Bobby Wine, was just released from detention. Like he was, he was like he's yeah, he's a political opponent of Museveni, and the, the they blocked him up, and he just was recently released. But um, Museveni is also has been work has has been collaborating with the United States um, it, with this drone strikes in East Africa. So um, I wanted to mention that because with Biden in office, who is Obama's vice president. Um, during the NATO bombing of Libya. I think these are things that we should be paying attention to and it c- could be happening more. But yeah, like, hey, look, the French, France, um, look, West Africa, like France, <laughs> in the same way, like the United States always sees Latin America as its backyard. That's how France looks at uh, West Africa. So yeah, the yeah, French were bo- super... <laughs> both of uh, both uh, depend a great deal on extracting profits and wealth mm-hmm. from those regions to prop up their uh, democracies. Right. Quote unquote. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's similar to like U S drone strikes in Yemen, Afghanistan, and Somalia where like the U S says, Oh, we killed some militants and some fighters. But then you look at the reality on the ground. It's like, Oh wait, you bombed like a wedding party or, or a group of civilians. So the French are doing the same thing in west africa um and it's all kind of like part of this u.s slash nato war and terror and so france is doing its part quote unquote in west africa by um yeah like bombing and and also giving them excuse to just hang out in the region you know because there's a yeah i think there's like um i think there's like uh well during the bush years um they're they were trying to link like niger with iraq and say like iraq bought uranium from niger uh, which, which was not true but the thing is like that that region of africa like has uh it's rich when it comes to like uranium so you know when it comes to nuclear power uh yeah france is like hey we better keep our hands on the uranium into west africa like that's my impression of a, a french accent but yeah that's like you know don't do that again no, I won't. <laughs> uh, hey, look, like, I mean, 
Fran- uh, this is we're named after Thomas Sankara, and like there's been like b- yeah. French colonization of Burkina Faso. So yeah, like whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, they marked them. Yeah. Um, Fuck France. But France is looking at Africa, you know, for its resources. Like the United States has looked at the Middle East for oil. So I just think that's uh, that's something to pay attention to. Um, yeah, to yeah. I mean, Biden's gonna have to do something to prove that America is back, baby. And also, like. Generally, you know, when your domestic situation is in the toilet, uh, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Wag the Dog, it's actually pretty accurate. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and yeah, usually usually just the go to is just a good old fashioned war. They're gonna need a hell of a war to get us out of the the funk America's in. So, you know, I know I know Biden thinks he's up to it, but uh I don't know where it's gonna come from because we're not fighting China. And Iran is also a bad idea. Like, I know, I know all the generals just have these gigantic boners for a war with Iran. Like, it's the only thing that allows them to orgasm. Like, that's not even really an exaggeration when you get to that level. But um, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I don't know. But we're going to have to do something to prove that we're back, baby. And uh, I, my heart goes out to whatever literally poor country is going to be on the receiving end of that because America's never gone more than 12 years without a war since 1776. So, yep. Though, though I guess we haven't ever stopped the ones in Iraq and Afghanistan. So I guess we're, we're still going, but you know, if that, that's not the same, man, we need, we need something else. Get the juices flowing, man. You know, (laughs) come on, man. Tell me I can't bomb. Syria, come on, man! Hey, we're we're back Listen in Syria. Back, America's we're... back, baby. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> Biden oh, is sending God, more. He's sending more troops into Syria. So yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. They got a uh, Jen Psaki as the uh, press secretary, who is like, you know, the spokesperson for Maidan. Which let's be real, uh, Maidan in Ukraine was like carried out by fascists, like. That was the exact same version of the storming the Capitol thing. Like, it was the same kinds of people. And they hailed that shit as a pro-democracy movement and everything. And now there's just a bunch of heavily armed Nazis roaming around Ukraine. And so uh, that's the kind of shit that a Biden administration will continue to push. Uh, So, yeah, it's going to be fun. A lot of fun to be had. Though not not the same kind of, like... uh, you know, mind-bending insanity that came from uh, Orange Mussolini or whatever, but just the good old-fashioned, like, American settler colonial, just, uh, you know, genocide, you know, some slow-scale genocide. Uh, Maybe it'll heat up a little bit and then just self-delusion. You know, it's got us this far. Why why can't it keep, why, why wouldn't it keep going, you know? Yeah. Until until the whole thing falls apart. You know? and, and that's another thing. Like I, before, I forget. Like uh, the the reason why I, I wanted to distinguish between like the 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 more local specific fight that the Tomashek have versus um, this uh, the whole like Al Qaeda and Islamic Maghreb and and the broader quote unquote war and terror because oftentimes like you know the united states in the west um puts 
collapses all these issues under like a large war on terror rubric and that just it it doesn't really it's it's counterproductive and it just leads to more death and it doesn't and it's also like really not about terrorism it's it's about other other motives so i just wanted to like kind of uh clear it up but um yeah that was i just wanted to mention that story because i think it's something worth uh, paying attention to but we're at an hour and 15 we've already discussed enough um uh oh people should also check out ujima's ujima people's party in baltimore um they're a political party in baltimore and it's like black working class led so um just want to give a shout out to them because i think there there need to be more independent black political parties like that so yeah special shout out to to them but uh anything else you want to say peter before we uh sign out uh no i'm pretty uh you know i'm settling into a new routine because i'm taking some time off work to write a book so a lot of unstructured time that i need to start structuring word but uh it's it's good i like like my i feel a lot younger that job really really did a number on my mental state you know along with america so reconnecting back to the person i was beforehand also still needing to like I don't know, do some sort of spiritual mental transformation for the uh, upcoming challenges of the decade is uh, something I think I can figure out in four months. It should be fine. Yeah. All right. Well, let's sign out. All right, everybody. Um, yeah. So patreon.com slash real song car hours. And again, $5 a month gets you bonus episodes. One to $5 is general support for the, for the podcast. And uh, yeah, it just helps, helps keep us going. Um, and follow us at Sankara Hours on Twitter, and shout out to the rest of the Resistance Tomorrow crew. So anyway, um, signing out. Keep the faith and stay dangerous. Later. Peace.